0: You all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Yeah.
1: From the hearts, and Albert Shivers.
2: The Matrix doesn't
1: happen. That's very true.
2: Come along quietly or
1: not. They don't have to like it, but they're going to see what happens. Goodbye, Wimps.
2: And now, without further ado, from Albert Shivers. The general
1: concept, the general concept
2: is that creativity, creativity flourishes, flourishes in, a, in, an in an atmosphere of freedom. freedom.
0: Dick Gregory for the Bahamian Diet. The problem is you're overweight. whether it's 10 pounds or 150 pounds. Hey, I've been there, and the solution is simple. The Bahamian Diet. Mix it with fruit juice, drink it for breakfast and lunch, eat a well-balanced meal for dinner, drink eight glasses of water every day, and walk a mile every day. Hey, that's all it is to it. Don't wait. Start right now. You can do it. I know. I've been there, and it ain't pretty. Available at GNC and most health stores.
2: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. I'm Albert Shivers, and this is, whew, this is an important episode for me today where I'll be telling the story about getting into and eventually meeting comedian, activist, and health advocate and advocate for the people, Dick Gregory. I'm also joined by my buddy Isaac my right hand on this podcast, as well as his brother Sam jumping into the show for the first time. And I'm, I'm glad they were both there to keep me on track a little bit. And they asked some really good questions about Dick Gregory. You know, I normally put myself in the background of these episodes. It isn't about me. It's about whoever I have on with me. And this is a a bit of a change of the norm putting myself front and center in a way to to tell these stories so it was a little bit new for me also because you remember back a couple episodes ago I did the Planet Shivers 500 where I was playing an announcer but this is just me talking for most of it so it was a little bit new in 77 episodes I think this is the most I've talked in a single episode so before we get to it though i just want to bring you guys up to speed first of all you can follow what i'm doing with my new film that i'm trying to put together for youtube as well as what i have cooking with my visual art on my instagram and at albert shivers and www.albertshivers.com i've been trying a couple of new things with my art recently and the main thing I've done is take my finish line and push it back. What I mean by that is if you're doing something creative at some point you have to be done. Now there's a quote, I don't know who said the quote but there is a quote that great art is never finished only abandoned and I can understand that but at some point you come to the end of something and you have to move to the next thing so for me as I would do an illustration or a painting I would get to a point where whatever instinct was in me said okay you're done that's that's the end of this one move you're ready to move on and I would now when I feel that feeling that when that instinct hits me to say, I think you're done. I poked into it a little bit. I dove into that feeling a little bit and analyzed whether or not I was done because I actually felt the piece was completed or was I done because I was afraid that I was going to ruin the piece of art if I went too far. Now, I, that, that's something that hangs over me the fixing it, fixing it until it's broke thing. So now, when I feel that feeling, I push it back and say, Nope, I'm going to keep going, keep adding to it. The first one where I really force myself to keep going with it was my portrait of my friend Kim. Um, you could see that on Instagram. I have yet to put it on the website. i got to get on that. And... Um, that was the first time that I said, okay, I'm going to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And then I felt a feeling of completion that didn't have any hesitation in it. Whether it was me thinking that the piece of art was done or me worrying about fixing it until it's broken. Now I've done that with art and it makes you feel like you wasted your time and it makes me disappointed in myself for screwing it up and not finding that balance so that's really how it ended up, was me finding a balance by pushing my own finish line further and further back. To explore parts of the art I didn't think of, try to think about new places to add things while keeping it in the arrangement and the style of arrangement that I like my art to have. I also try to instill more in myself to take more time with pieces. Uh, Instagram and all the social medias that we tend to post our work on tend to get in our heads and make us want to post constantly. Makes us want to produce constantly, and visual art specifically is something that you cannot rush. There are... I've I've been experimenting with very quick sketches, but that's not what I'm talking about. If you have something that you're really putting the time into, put the time into it. Uh, I forget the actual numbers, you'll have to go back and listen, but... Earlier on in the show, I had on the artist Jose Rivera, who is one of my favorites of the area, and he's a a really nice guy, too, which makes him even more likable as an artist. And he puts so many hours into his work. As a matter of fact, as to not screw around, he is episode 14. The artist is the name of it. I recommend you go listen to that one because Jose is a fantastic artist who puts tons and tons of time into his work and not just every individual piece, but like any visual artist or a filmmaker or any anybody really, your newest work is not only the amount of time you put into that particular piece of work, but all the hours that came before with every other piece of artwork there is an invisible string of continuity through everything you create. It's just one whole big thing. Because every piece of work you artistically create, some something in it has one little kernel, one little grain of everything else before it. Whether it was the skill you picked up, the knowledge you picked up along the way. So... Keep that in mind, all you artsy folks out there. And I'm going to stop my my ear beating right now on you guys and say one more thing, that in March, I will be part of the Black Culture in the Berg at the Create and Be Art Studio in Strasbourg run by the fantastic, amazing superheroes, Courtney and Sylvia, who do a great job running that gallery and bringing a lot of good things into this town it's a little podunk town at times it gets it gets flared up every once in a while in i believe a more sincere way than it has been before and i can go into that another time the black culture in the berg show march 18th through the 20th this year 2022 you can find more information at www.cbrculture.com and I'll be doing advertising for it on my Instagram, which is, again, at Albert Shivers. With that, I want to throw to my brothers from another mother, Sam and Isaac, speaking with me about my experience getting into, learning from, and eventually meeting Mr. Dick Gregory.
1: When would you say around, like, you first kind of got into him or, like, got some exposure to some of his work?
2: Well, I would say that the so I always seen him around like I'd see him in movies mm. i'd see him in other things that I've watched in relation to other comedians because always being such a student of comedy, and then you would hear about him through Richard Pryor or I'd hear about him through Cosby or Paul Mooney who he went on to tour with but I always see him go, oh that's that man from that thing or that thing then when I first went to this bookstore in Philly which is not it was on Broad and Erie called Black and Nobel it's not in that location anymore I don't know where it is but people should check it out, because they definitely still do online sales, but they do have a physical building somewhere else in Philly, oh, but I God. I went to Black and Nobel, and they have an open mic once a week, I think it was Wednesdays or Thursdays, and it was this awesome bookstore, so the first time I went there, it actually wasn't for the open mic, I was filming a movie, and I went in there to ask them if it would be okay if I filmed the outside of their building because it had awesome graffiti on it. Mm. So I go in, I speak to the owner, and I walk around the store, and they have a bunch of Dick Gregory books and a bunch of Dick Gregory DVDs there. And again, I'm like, that's that guy. I know him from here or from there. But it didn't hook me yet. When I started to go in for the open mics there was a comedian who hosted the open mics at Black and Nobel. And I had gone to this open mic two weeks in a row, and this comedian who hosted the open mic was promoting his next show, which was going to be opening for Dick Gregory and Paul Mooney because they uh, just started a tour together or were in the middle of starting again a tour together. So for anybody who doesn't know, Paul Mooney was a comedian who wrote for Richard Pryor. He was Richard Pryor's right-hand man, as far as I know, going as far back to the 70s when Richard Pryor had his TV show and all that stuff. So him and Richard Pryor were tight. And now Paul Mooney was touring with Dick Gregory. And again, here comes Dick Gregory in my face again. So I started to look him up on YouTube and naturally the videos of him going off on people were the first ones that I seen. Like those were the ones that popped up first. Yeah. So you watch you watch through a few of those and you're I was amused by it, but the more I watched, the more I realized that there was something underneath his the, the, the outbursts, let's say. You or at least I could see that there was a point that he was really trying to make. He wasn't yeah. just going off, mm-hmm. like there was more underneath of it. So then I began to find and watch the entirety of the clips of him. Right. All right. Now there are two YouTubers. One is Real Black, which is R E E L Black. And the other one is We All Be TV. Those two dudes interviewed Dick Gregory a lot. And they had multiple hours of him. Now, a lot of those popular clips of Dick Gregory going off is on these two dudes. Right, right. But when you look at the videos in their entirety, which are like hour, hour and a half, some are two hour parts. Nice, yeah. You you get the entire scope of him and all the things he had to talk about. And I had never been exposed to the things he was talking about in the way he was talking about them. Whether it was health it, that he was an expert on through years, he did fasts his whole life, he was vegan when it was unheard of to be vegan in the late 60s and 70s. Right. Specifically... For urban communities, not even just black, but just like the city environment, Mm. nobody was vegan, other than unless you were like a real far out hippie
1: at that point, right? Yeah, with the yeah, with the poser hippies are like trying to be almost, yeah.
2: So, and he had like a you know, he was an animal rights activist, and then he came to the conclusion where if and he was also I'm I'm mixing things up a little bit here. He was also part of the nonviolence movement with Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. So his logic, and um, if I'm paraphrase, I'm sorry, but if he wasn't going to hurt his fellow man, mm-hmm. why was he going to hurt an animal? That was his thought behind.
1: It. Oh, fly, yeah. Fly, so yeah.
2: that's. Part of how he became vegan. But I watched all these interviews and it just really, really clicked with me. Even the topics on civil rights were coming from such a first-hand perspective. And a perspective of very deep wisdom. And spiritual wisdom. So everything he was saying, no matter how much I could relate to it or not, or how much I could empathize, empathize or not. Mm. It just really was clicking with me. So I got hooked. And I spent late 2016 into early 2017. Completely immersed in his work. His com- I was picking up his comedy albums at record stores. I was finding every little... Interview I could it got to the point where I had listened to all the the main ones so many times that I was just digging through YouTube and and for a podcast just to find little crumbs that, yeah yeah that but, I hadn't seen mm, yet right right so that oh, wow. that is definitely how I got into them and I just dove in one hundred percent one hundred percent and it. There were just so many things that he would throw at the interviewer or throw at the audience. Um, and one thing that always sticks with me was when he explained, and this is so simple, and, but just I didn't know it. Mm. A deck of playing cards and how it represents the four seasons. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. And how if you add up the value of every card in a deck, it equals 365. Oh, wow. And there are 52 cards in a deck, there are 52 weeks in a year, you know, and there are four seasons, there are four suits. When I first heard that, I was like, oh my god. And that was just another, like, thing that Dick Gregory just stuck in my head, of all the other things. Wow. But it went from that, to civil rights, to super talk about nutrition, to current events. Yeah, yeah. Um, spirituality, like, everything. He was hitting me with everything I think I needed at the time. And that was just crazy. I mean...
1: Yeah, he definitely seems like kind of a renaissance-type thinker, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just... Some people are just completely there with it, you know? Yeah. I think it expounds, like, on, you know, important issues that, you know, people, especially at that time, you know, could probably benefit from, you know, just, like, alternative medicine and health and, and all this stuff, you know? Yeah. It's a... Important people to have around like that. Definitely. History, yeah.
2: So, eventually, I wanted to go see him live. He was still touring. That same tour that I mentioned earlier with him and Paul Mooney was still happening on and off. Oh, wow. So, the first time I went to see him was at B.B. King's in New York. B.B. King's isn't even there anymore. Oh, Which wow. is not that long ago. Yeah. But we were, the club is not there.
1: Yeah, we were there the one time, I think. With, uh, did we see Chuck Berry? There with Grandma, I think. Maybe it was just... In Times Square? Yeah I, think just, yeah. I think it was just... Yeah. Might have just been me, but yeah. yeah. I yeah, I remember being in there. It was cool.
2: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I cool seen um, George Clinton there, too. Oh, what? Wow. And yeah. I think that was like the last show I seen there was George Clinton. So, yeah. he was there with Paul Mooney... And if I remember correctly, so at the time, Dick Gregory was 83, if not 84 yet. And Paul Mooney was a little bit younger. And Paul Mooney was having health problems. So he wasn't super... In, not enthusiastic, but he wasn't super energetic. Yeah, yeah, on the stage. He came out, he did about a half hour, and then he went off. And... Here comes Dick Gregory, all 84, just bop, 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 yep. bopping out on the stage. Wow, yeah. And did a killer show for about, I, mean, I think he did about an hour, hour and a half. Mm. Both, all the recordings, so I I recorded audio of all the shows, which are on my YouTube channel. Yeah. If you want to go listen to them, they're there. They're the first videos I ever posted on the channel where the podcast is. So wow. Just go all the way to the bottom and they'll be there. Mm. so that mm. show was great they did every show he did they do a meet and greet afterwards mm. and um, I got to I have this awesome picture of when we're done recording I'll pull it up of me at a booth with the both of them which is awesome yeah. And but it was quick it was like how's it going shook both their hands um, Dick Gregory signed one of his books for me I spoke to them maybe for like two minutes and then it was on, like, the next person had to go. So they gave you a little bit of time, but then you had to get moving. But I was, I mean, I walked out of that place floating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, hopped on the bus and came home. Um, it's the third time that I seen him, which was at Caroline's, which was another comedy club in New York. That was the big one. So by that point, I had done this portrait of him. Um, in pen, pencil and ink and I wanted to bring it to him now prior to this I had given art artwork to George Clinton and that's a whole other story but it felt good you know. it wasn't after the artwork to get autographed I just wanted to give the same thing with George Clinton more so it Dick Gregory give the artwork to him as an appreciation it's like I've been following you for a while now I've got a lot of knowledge from you so I want to give something back to you so I done this portrait of him brought it in a folder I guarded it through the whole show the Caroline show itself was the best of the three that I had seen him um, he, he did like two and a half hours and you could tell he would read the audience to see how much we were willing to take because he would drift from the comedy, and he'd get political, or he'd get health, or he he'd drift into different topics, and it felt like if we were going there with him, he'd keep going. Now there are some people as he went, there are people who walked out of the show because they're like listening comedy people. Right, I was like a middle aged couple that was at a table next to me, kind of in front of me, who I distinctly heard like he's crazy and they got up and left because I forget what exactly he was talking about but he had gotten a little political and these people left so the show ends and there's a huge throng of people waiting to meet him and it's just him this time not Paul Mooney there's tons of people and I'm standing there and I'm thinking like, "Ah, like I don't want to fight this crowd but I'm not gonna leave, I, I, I guarded this art. And it was not big, um, it was a nine by 12 um, drawing. So, like you know what, I'm not gonna fight my way in there, because if I fight my way in there, I'm not gonna have a lot of time, yeah. either, to kind of explain myself. So, I hold back, and the crowd thins out, and I'm like, okay, so I get, into kind of this loose line and the, there's there's dude right in front of me and the dude right in front of me goes up to Dick Gregory like put your hand out like you're gonna shake my hand hmm. and he goes yo brother dick and he's yeah. and he shakes him Wow. and this is a 84 year old dude yeah and oh, Dick shit. Gregory yells at him and I'm like no like oh, the, the g- dude right in front of me gets yelled at but then he cools off and he's, like, shakes his hand again, and it's calm. And then he talked for a bit. I was like, oh, no, I have to follow that. Nice. But I get up to him and um, shake his hand. He had an assistant with him who would take your phone and do the picture. Mm-hmm. So they take the picture. And being that the the crowd was, was very thin now, there were only a couple of people, Dick was taking more time with each person now. So, I got my art in the folder. I'm like, okay, put your balls on ice, Albert. And I pulled a piece of art out. And I know from seeing interviews and seeing him film that he's he doesn't always take things from people. So, he would sign... He had reasons, but he would sign something like his book or but other things he wouldn't always take. So... I pull out this piece of art, and I just kind of like like toothpaste squeeze the words out of me. That you know, I did this piece of art for you out of appreciation. You know, I've gotten a lot out of your knowledge, and I just wanted to give something back to you. And the the portrait was of him. It was like a picture I'd gotten of him from the seventies and he's giving a speech. And this was a period for my art where I was cutting out the bodies of people or the minds of people in the image and collaging inside of the ink drawing or the pencil drawing. Mm. So inside of his, his body, I had images from the civil rights movement like collaged into his body as he's at this podium. It's a profile of him giving a speech so i pull out this art i say something like i just told you guys and he looks at it for what was probably like two or three seconds but it felt like forever yeah and he looks at it and he says to me and i'd heard him say similar things so i won't i don't want to present this as he said it just for me I'd heard him say similar things before, but to have him say it to me... Phew. But he goes, that he goes, an artist is born with a special set of goggles, and you can never take them off, and you're the only ones with that particular set. And it's up to you how you're going to utilize that. And I'm, I'm not exactly quoting, but... Yeah, the artist has a special set of goggles and you can't take them off. So don't waste it. In other words, it was he looks at the art a little longer and says I think you should you should hold on to this champ. And I'm like, "No, no, I I really want you to have it." He goes, "No, man." He goes, "This is great." And you know, but he, but he like he pats my hand. He goes, but, "You know, you hold on to this. But I'm glad you showed it to me." And he shakes my hand again and off I go again. I float out of the Carolines. Mm-hmm. And just that he, you know, it, it didn't disappoint me that he didn't take it. But it, I was happy with the fact that he's seen it. Mm-hmm. Like, that was enough for me. I don't know. Like, I'm really glad. If he would have taken it, I would have been just as happy. But I'm happy to still have it and that he did get a chance mm-hmm. to see it. Um. So that was just... Phew, That was a big deal for me. And I seen him. That was, I believe it was March of 2017, that show. And I had planned to see him again. And I had planned to have him on a podcast. Now at this point, I was doing the first podcast I was doing, which was just music related. And I was going to start a whole new podcast because he wouldn't have music related, it wouldn't have fit. So I didn't have a name for an A or anything, but the idea to start another open ended podcast started with the idea that I wanted to talk to him on a podcast. And he was very easily accessible. Um, numbers like phone numbers for him were public. Generally everything went through his wife. Most of the people who scheduled interviews with him you spoke to his wife. She ran everything like that for him. So I had all those plans and big cool ideas in the works to speak with him. I didn't even know what I was gonna bring up. I didn't know if it was gonna be a little bit of everything or just the health or just this aspect, but I was excited for it. August that same year, he passes away. Um, I was at my folks and it came on the news And I had still been, like, really... I was listening to his lectures and his speeches constantly, still. And... um, I drove home that night from my folks and put one of his things on. And was, like, not... I mean, I was really disappointed. Not that I wasn't going to get... Not for me. But just the fact that he wasn't going to be there anymore. Like, since I got into him... He was helping to guide me, and I never really had somebody like that. And he was helping to guide on, you know a 100,000 other people, and he just presented alternate opinions to things in such a way that really resonated with me and a whole lot of other people. So I was like really, it felt like an uncle. Or grandfather had passed when I found out that he died and following that like I, I don't know this I'll go into this I don't know but following that the rest of August in throughout the like September I he I had three dreams with him in them oh, wow. and every dream that I had felt like he pushed his way into them every dream and I'll go into them a little bit but each one started with something completely different it was about something else and then he just would show up in them like out of nowhere it really felt like he had pushed his way in so the first dream was in Strasbourg And I was walking to a carnival in East Stroudsburg. The Walmart parking lot was a giant carnival. Ferris wheels, merry-go-rounds, the whole bit. Like you could see the lights from, from my place. And I was walking to this carnival, and Dick Gregory just shows up walking next to me, and we walked. And I was telling he was asking me questions about myself, and I was telling him where I grew up, how I grew up. Things that were difficult, things that were easy about growing up for me. Like, very personal stuff. And then that was... I woke up from that dream. The second one, I was in the record store on Main Street in Stroudsburg. And he just shows up at the record store. And we go on another walk through town. And it's very similar to that first one. The third one, um, I was... I don't remember how but somehow I end up in my car with him and we're driving to a health food store in like the middle of nowhere upstate New York and we Hmm. go into this health food store and he's helping me shop now this ties into his nutrition deal we're going through this health food store and he's helping me shop and this was a health food store for the wealthy so you didn't You filled up your cart, but you didn't ring out your own groceries Mm -hmm. in this store in my dream. You gave your cart to somebody, and they rung it up, and you went and sat in like this lounge at the side of the grocery store. Wow. So we give our cart to the person who works there, and we go over to this lounge. And I remember all the, it was like big sofas was this whole lounge, like, Twice the size of what a sofa should be. Big cushions, big arms, the whole bit. And they were all like a dark green with like a mustard trim of the stitching. So he sits on one sofa and I'm, I felt in the dream awkward. So I sit on an adjacent sofa. Hmm. And again, like it's a dream. I try not to get too wrapped up in it. But as we're sitting on these different sofas, there's all this room next to him. And like he gets that little like a little bit of like bass in his voice, let's say, not anger, but bass in his voice. And he like smacks this side of his couch. He goes, Come sit next to your grandfather. And I it it didn't like I didn't think twice about it in the dream. But so I got up and sat next to him, and we started to talk more, and then I woke up from that dream. And each one of those Came within a month of his passing, and they came like boom, 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 like within two weeks of each other. Wow. Those three dreams came. Wow. So, you know the the logic side of it says, well, like he's been on your mind for mm-hmm. over a year now, and you're sad that he just passed away. <clears throat> but the other side of it, the spiritual.
1: Yeah, you know, like the. really is anything to like the beyond you know just like the the physical side you know he's not just like dick gregory anymore you know he's like the best like dick gregory in the like scope of the entire like universe pretty much i guess that would be the uh, best way to describe it you know like when your sort of energy signature your your vibe so to speak isn't really bound to like a physical thing you know like like you, you don't have to space or time doesn't apply for you so i'm sure it any message that, like, he would have had, you know, it's like, it is possible. It's like, you know, he could probably or like, information like that, knowledge can travel, you know, throughout everywhere, I'm sure, you know, gets in a big, weird philosophical thing, you know, everywhere at once. He can make deal. his rounds very easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. I guess that's yeah. what I'm getting at, so, yeah, I mean, maybe the part of... A view that like resonated with what he was saying, what he was all about. I'm sure, in, like in a sort of dream state like that, you know, connection could definitely have been made, possibly.
2: Yeah, and I, and I will say, say that you know I was very saddened when he passed for his family because he had a big family, mm. his family and all the people who who loved him. So to feel that way, that you know maybe his energy came and said what's this what's this kid about yeah is is you know like it means a lot if, if if that indeed is what the deal was yeah that would mean a lot
1: yeah yeah you never know the
2: spiritual side of it is i'm telling you guys like every time it felt like he pushed his way in like the dreams would start about something totally different you could and feel then
1: it. he'd just be there like an external sort of yeah Visitation yeah. or vision That's interesting yeah. that, well, you mentioned like other people had a similar experience after yeah. he passed. Like, yeah, I mean, it is indicative. I mean, <clears throat> even you know, like alive, you know, he's definitely a strong, like a strong spirit or like a strong yeah. individual. So, you know, again, yeah, if there is anything to that, like, he'd probably be one of the people, you know, who would be around, giving knowledge, almost like a a guru type situation or like you know God whether if that's like an internal symbol or something beyond you know but I was just sitting and thinking
0: like you could have like a dream about your grandfather while your grandfather's alive and then it's just like your grandpa was in your dream but like after your grandfather passes away and then you have a dream about your grandpa you can't help but think like is that my grandpa coming Mm -hmm. to me in my dream right kind of thing um Mm. So I guess if you look at it that way, just the fact that it happened after he passed away In close succession to one another Yeah, you have to look at it in a way like yeah. <laughs> Like if there's a reason there's yeah. Yeah. Spidey. Spidey. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was gonna say I mean If you're famous, mm-hmm. you're famous for a reason Whether it's a good or bad reason um, and this was, I was going to say this probably four or five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. That was the main point. There's somewhere else to go with that. But most, mm-hmm. but the most important thing that I've, I've forgotten everything else, but like if you're famous, you are famous for a reason. With, uh, Mr. Mr. Gregory being famous, you got to see, you. if he wasn't famous, you would have seen, probably you would have seen like none of him or his personality. Mm-hmm. And with him being famous, um... You got to see, like, a lot more than, than um, as I said, you would have seen none uh, if, if, if that wasn't the case. So whether you are a fan or not, um, I'm sure you're just happy. Like, you got to, like, have the, the fact that he's part of your life. Mm-hmm. is just very cool to you. Yeah. And um, that's, like, a pretty good reason to be.
2: appreciate you guys sitting in and giving me the chance to talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited to put this out there. As a podcast, I've been wanting to do it, but I've been shy about it, because usually it's the other person doing all the talking, for mm. the most part. Gotcha, yeah. But I want to do this for him, I want to do it for his family, I wanted to do it to just be another voice putting his name out there, mm. and maybe somebody will listen and be intrigued to go check out one of his lectures or one of his talks. Again, I'll say to people who are listening on YouTube to go to the channels Real Black, which is R E E L, as in a reel of film, Real Black, or We All Be a TV. Gotcha, and um, those are two good good channels to go to to check out his work, and you could find his record albums around and um his family is re-releasing all of his books on audiobook and hard copies so anybody who's interested can go check those out too I recommend them and um yeah thanks for listening all
0: right.
2: cool guys thank
0: you thank you for the
2: information Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. I want to thank Isaac and Sam for jumping on and helping me out with this episode. You could find more episodes of the Planet Shivers podcast on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. I'm going to be scotch-taping together a few more great episodes in the next couple of weeks, so stick around and listen to them. And remember, go online. Go to your bookstore and try to find some some Dick Gregory knowledge. And until next time, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else.